You may be seated. Would you open your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. How many of you saw a movie called Black Panther? Come on, put your hand up. You saw, how many of you saw it more than once? How many of you saw it more than three times? All right. Do you remember the line when he is being challenged as king? And his mother shouts at him, what? Show them who you are. Who are you? One of the greatest causes of failure in life is we forget who we are. We allow the problems of life, we allow the circumstances that we're going through, we allow the, the temporary setbacks, the, the blows that we are taking in life to create insecurity within us. And that insecurity is the foundation where all temptation comes from. When you face Satan on the battlefield of temptation, he cannot hurt you. His weapons have been taken away. He was, he was disarmed at the cross, Colossians 2. He is a defeated foe. You are more than a conqueror through Christ who has loved you and gave himself up for you. But in the battlefield of temptation, you're going to find that Satan uses a little word called if. Everybody say if. Say it again, please. Luke 4, beginning with verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. For 40 days, being tempted by the devil, he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the Son of God. What did Satan say? If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and glory, for it has been delivered unto me, and I give it to whom I will. If you will then but worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God. Throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him and said, it is, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had entered every temptation, he departed from him until the opportune time. Now, we know at least one of those opportune times. You, you have to understand, te temptation is a season. Temptation is a what? It, it's, not, it's not a long-term thing. It's, it's a season, and it passes. But it comes back. And just because you defeat a temptation one time doesn't mean you're not going to see that same temptation again later on in your life. We know of at least one additional time when those words, if, came back. Matthew 27, verse 39 to 43, Jesus is dying on the cross at the weakest moment of his life. The skin has been ripped off of his back from the top of his neck to the top of his knees. His crown of thorns has been placed upon his head. He's been nailed to a cross. And those who passed by him derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, 
come down from the cross. Everybody say, if. Questioning who you are is the beginning of temptation. Creating insecurity in who you are is the first step of manipulation. It's the first step of what some people call grooming today, to, to manipulate people into a temptation, to manipulate people into sin. They begin to cause you to question who you are. Most of us here today grew up like me. We didn't grow up in Forbes Park and Despedinus Village. We didn't grow up in fancy condos. We, we grew up hard. We grew up rough. I grew up in a busted home, had no idea who and what my spiritual heritage was. Summerall was a bad name for me because growing up in Michigan, there were no Summerall's. Summerall's was the name from the South. There were no Summerall's. Everybody that lived around me was Smith and Jones and Stevens. And Summerall was a weird name. And I hated the name Summerall. I grew up fighting a lot. People would walk up and call me Dumrall because I was really smart. But to make fun of me, they would call me Dumrall and we'd have a fight. Very easy to manipulate a kid with a high blood, hot temper. They would call me Summer, S-H-I-T, instead of Summerall. So of course we'd have a fight. I hated my last name, wanted to change my last name. But then when the police sent me down to live with my father, and I met my grandfather, and I began to hear the stories of the spiritual heritage of three generations of our family that had pioneered churches and built churches, I began to realize, you know what? The Summerall name is not a bad name. It's not an awful name. There's no need for me to change my name. I began to understand who I am. Now, many of you, you've grown up as a Christian. Forgive me. You've grown up in church. Your family has served God since before you were born. And you've grown up in church. And one of the great things that you have learned is there are many people who want you to be ashamed to be a Christian. Everybody say, ashamed. Say it again. And, and this is the purpose of persecution, or one of the purposes of persecution. Why do you think Satan wanted Jesus to die on a cross? It's the most humiliating, shameful way to die that there is, at least at that time. One of the large purposes of persecution is to make you ashamed of your identity, make you ashamed of who you are, make you begin to question, is there any value to the identity of who you are? Now, if you and I are going to live a life of revival, if we are going to live a life full of the life of God and see our nation change for the kingdom and see churches built all across our nation, we're not going to be able to do that a bunch of little defeated people sitting around worrying about ourselves and worrying about what people think about us. I got news for you. Jesus said, they hated me, they're going to hate you. Hello? If you and I are going to be a bunch of wimpy Christians, that are, it's more important to us to be popular with the world than it is to be popular with heaven, that we're never going to change our nation. We're never going to make a difference in our nation. If you think that we're going to go out and do these crusades and not be spoken against, if you think we're not going to get criticized and shoot out and laughed at and mocked for building 200 churches across our nation, I got news for you. It's not going to be, that's not real. 
There's going to be people come against us. And at some point, you and I have to just come to the place where we are so secure in who we are in Christ that it doesn't matter what the world thinks about us because we know who we are. And we're not going to wimp out when the professor starts making fun of us in the university because we laid hands on somebody and they got healed and the professor doesn't think it's real. We know who we are in Christ Jesus. We're not going to wimp out when the businessman makes fun of us and, oh, you know, you, you, you people, you believe in miracles. Ho, 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 isn't it funny? Yeah, we believe in miracles. God is alive. Yep. We're not, we're not intimidated by it. We're not made insecure by it because we have come to a reality. This is who I am in God. This is my identity in God. I know who I am. Look at the person next to you and shout, I know who I am. Say it again. You're not going to quit the calling that God has upon your life because somebody makes a little fun of you or you feel like you fail a little bit. No, you stand up stronger. No, I know who I am. Everybody falls down. The Bible says, though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Why do they rise again? Because they know they're righteous. They know they're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. At some point, every Christian has to make a decision. Who am I in Christ? Everybody say, who am I? Now, I'm going to take months to walk you through this. I want to start with Romans chapter 8, beginning with verse 5. Beginning with verse 5. For to those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile toward God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers... We are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. We don't owe anything. Everybody say, I owe nothing to sin. Say it again. We are not debtors to sin. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. Now I'm going to take about two or three weeks, maybe four. And I want to start with this whole principle of who you are in God. With the fact that you are a son of God. Amen. I am a son of God. Say it again. Say it again, please. We have been adopted as God's sons. Not sons and daughters. Sons. 
God has only one true Son, John 1 verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Everybody said, that's Jesus, not the guy in Davao. No, I'm straight talk, folks. I'm not making fun. I'm straight talk. Jesus is the only Son from the Father. Everybody say, Jesus. Say it again. All the rest of us have to be adopted by God. Now, the Jews were adopted by God. Romans chapter 9, beginning with verse 4. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption. Belongs the what? God chose one day to adopt them as his sons. Ephesians 1, verse 5. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons. Not as sons and daughters, as sons. Everybody say, as sons. Through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. The only way into God's family is adoption. Everybody say, the only way into God's family is adoption. See, you and I, biblically, were born into sin. We were born into Satan's family. Now, nobody likes to hear about this, especially religious people. But I want you to remember what Jesus said. In John 8, beginning with verse 41, he said, You're doing the works your fathers did. They said to him, We are not born of sexual immorality. We have one Father, even God. Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love me. For I came from God and I'm here. I cannot come of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot hear my word. You cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. Now, you need to understand that before our salvation, we were part of a spiritual family. That spiritual family is called the world. It's called what? And Satan is the god of this world. Everybody say, our spiritual father was Satan. Now, he is an abusive father. Jesus said he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That when he lies, he speaks out of his character. He speaks his own native language. You and I need to understand that before we were born and adopted, born again and adopted into God's family, our spiritual father, Satan, was a cruel, abusive father. Everybody say, cruel and abusive. Say it again. Now, nobody likes to think about that. But Satan stole from us. He kills us. He destroys us. There's nothing good about him. But there came a day that God looked upon us. And not because of anything we had done, but only because of his great love and his great grace. He loved us and he desired us. Now, adoption is not part of Jewish culture. It was part of Roman culture. So Paul is speaking to the Romans in a way that they can understand salvation. And he was saying, you need to understand salvation. God chose you. God was not required to take care of you. God had no obligation to take care of you. You were not his. But God chose you. Everybody say, God chose me. Say it again. God chose to love you. God chose to be a father to you. God chose to bring you into his family. 
There was nothing that you did to earn that. Just by his great grace and his great love, God looked upon you and me and said, I want you as my children. I, I want to adopt you into my family. I want you to belong to me. Everybody say, God wants me to belong to him. Now, how did this process of adoption work? Well, first, he had to redeem us. Galatians chapter 4, verse 5. To redeem those who were under the law so that they might receive adoption as sons. Everybody say, redeemed me. That means to buy back. At one point when God created us, we belonged to him. But in the fall of man, we surrendered our authority and our rights and we belonged to Satan. Redemption requires, however, a price to be paid. That price was Jesus. John, Galatians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. God gave his son to pay the price of our adoption. Everybody say, pay the price. There was a cost to it. It cost God his only son. It cost God everything. It cost God his only begotten son. God said, I will give my son. I love you so much. I will give my son so that you can be my son. Everybody say, God gave Jesus so I could be his son. Now notice, he paid the price and left the choice to us. Let me say that again. He paid the price and left the choice to us. This is not about control. This is about love. This is about what? This is about what? Love. God said, I want you as my son. I want you in my family. I want you as my son. I didn't say child. I said son. We're going to get to that in a minute. He said, I want you as my son. So I'm going to give this potential. I will give my son to pay the price for your sins to buy you back from Satan's kingdom so that you can be my son. But I won't force this on you. I will pay the price so that you have the option. Now, have you ever wondered why it hurts God? And young people, please don't get mad at me. But sometimes, young people, you want to go explore your former family. You want to go explore the world. You want to go explore the culture of your former family. And God says, why? Is my love not enough? Everybody says, explore the past. But please forgive me, there, there is nothing in that past that's going to do anything but hurt you. There is nothing in the world that's going to do anything but give you pain. God looks at you and says, why do you want to go and learn about the family that destroyed you? Why do you want to go and learn the culture of the family that only comes to steal, kill, and destroy? Why, why do you want to go learn about that? Is my love not enough for you? See, it's all about choice. It's all about what? He says, the adoption is here. I want you as my son. But God will never put a noose around our neck and control us. Paul said, the love of Christ controls me. We are in this relationship because he loves us. Because he what? Because he what? Step two, first is redemption. 
Step two is he had to make sure that we knew he loved us. See, one of the greatest challenges in young people who are adopted is, am I really loved? One of the greatest insecurities in the heart of every adopted child is, will I be rejected too? It's called the, the rejection of the womb syndrome. You take a child that has been adopted into a physical family, and the child always wonders, will, will you push me away too? Will you reject me too? Is there something that I can do that will make you push me away and reject me? And God had to make sure that in spite of all the rejection that we have faced in the world, in spite of all the hurt that we have faced in the world, God had to make sure that you and I understood he would never push us away. He would never reject us. So what does he do? He gives us the spirit of adoption. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Holy Spirit is in us all the time crying out, Abba, Father. Everybody say, Abba. That's a very informal term of love and affection. It's, it's, like, it's like not even tata, it's like tai. It's a term of great closeness and affection. So the Holy Spirit is always working in our hearts. Say, hey, listen, the Father's close to you. Hey, listen, the Father, you, you, can be, you can be comfortable with the Father. You can relax in the Father's presence. There's a closeness to the relationship with that. Constantly reminding us how we are adopted. John 3.16. We sang the song tonight. There is a God who loves me. For God so loved the world. We're always remembering that God did what he did because he loved us. Everybody say he loves me. Now you need to understand that yes, we have been adopted as sons into God's family. But that is a very secure position. That is a very what? I didn't hear you. God will never look at you one day and say, well, you're not worthy to be my child, so get out of here. God, God will never look at you one day and say, you're not worthy, I reject you. I wish I would have never adopted you. I wish I would have never... God will never look at you and treat you parang basura and throw you out on the street. That's not God! You have been adopted as his son because of love. Because of What? He wanted you so much, he sacrificed his only begotten son to redeem you and to bring you into a relationship with him. You should feel secure. Everybody say, I am secure. I am. Say it again. We sing the song, I'm safe inside his love. You should feel very secure in there because there will be no rejection by God. He will never fail you. He will never forsake you. When we are faithless, he remains faithful. Can you get a hold of that? Hello? Excuse me. Can you get a hold of that? There is a security in this adoption. It's not like these stories that you've heard in school where some child was adopted and then they did something wrong and the parents abandoned them and threw them away. No, that's not God. That, that, that is just not God. God will never fail you or forsake you. God will never reject you. He gave everything for you. He wants you as his son. Everybody shout, he wants me. Say it again. And then he constantly reassures us of our position as sons. Now, let me begin to get into this for a minute. Romans 8 verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are 
sons of God. Everybody say, sons of God. Say it again. Everybody say, I am a son of God. Now you ladies say, no, I'm not. I'm a daughter. No, you're a son. No, pastor, can't you see? I'm a female. That makes me a daughter. No, can't you understand spiritual truth? You're a son. Now, just like Paul uses a Roman cultural word to help people understand our relationship and how we came into the family of God, Paul uses the word son to also articulate spiritual truth. Just like the Bible teaches us, all the men, raise your hand, you are the bride of Christ. I'm the what? No, I'm a guy, pastor. I'm a groom, not a bride. No, all the men say, I'm the bride of Christ. Now, God is not gender blending. God is not gender blurring. God is trying to teach us a spiritual truth. Men and women are equal in the eyes of God. We are sons of God. We are what? Now, listen to Paul. And people always want to act like Paul is anti-woman. Paul is anything but anti-woman. Romans 8, 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Romans 8, 19, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. Romans 8, verse 23, we eagerly await for the adoption as sons. Romans 9, 4, theirs is the adoption as sons. Galatians 3, 26, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God. How many are sons of God? How many are sons of God? All. How many? Men and women. Old and young. We are all sons of God. Galatians 4 verse 5. To redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into your heart crying, Abba, Father. Ephesians 1.5, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. Hebrews 2 verse 10, for it is fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory. Hebrews 12 verse 5, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? That addresses you as what? Hebrews 5, 7, it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? And if you are left without discipline in which you have all participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. And not what? Now notice, Paul always uses, when Paul refers to our relationship with God, he always, when he's speaking about our spiritual position and our relationship with God, Paul always uses the word sons. He always uses what word? This is why we have to be careful with some of the new modern translations where they, they blur this and they say sons and daughters because there's a tremendous spiritual truth here. The Greek word here for son is huios, H-U-I-O-S, which means a mature son with full legal standing. Everybody say full legal standing. He said you are no longer slaves. He said, and you're not a child. A child has no legal standing. A child has no inheritance. But Huyos, son, has full legal standing and full inheritance. Everybody say, full legal standing and full inheritance. 
if you don't have part of the inheritance, you're not a son. Now, you know, would, would we look at these verses and say, well, only men are led by the Spirit and not women? Because it says sons. Would we say only men are saved because only men are adopted as sons and women are not adopted into God's family because they're not sons? No. Paul is saying, let me teach you a spiritual truth here. Every person who is born again has the same equal rights, the same legal position of heirship. Everybody say, we're equal. Say it again. Men and women in Christ are equal. Now, ladies, this is why I don't get some of your insecurity where, where some guy can walk up to you and say, you can't teach the Bible because you're a woman, and they misquote one verse out of context. Excuse me, you're a son of God. If they say you have no right to teach, why? You're a woman. No, I'm a son of God. Everybody say, no, I'm a son of God. All the ladies shout, I'm a son of God. Say it again. Shout it, ladies. If they look at you and you say, you can't pray for the sick because you're a woman, excuse me, I'm a son of God. I, I didn't hear you. They, they take one verse out of context. They, they have no idea about what it really means. But because it validates male superiority, they, they want to use it and put women down. Excuse me. We will never change the world with only men preachers. Half the world's population is women. I didn't hear you. I didn't hear you. All the ladies shout, I'm a son of God. Say it again. You can't disenfranchise half the population of the world and expect to change the world. Ladies, get rid of the insecurity in your insides. Realize you're equal to every man in the eyes of God. I, I didn't hear you. No, women are to submit to men. No, women are to submit to their husband, not to every pair of pants that walks down the street. Now, ladies, get the insecurity out of your heart. Guys, get the male superiority attitude out of your heart and realize that in Christ, we're equal. All, everybody shout, in Christ, in Christ. We're, equal. we're equal. Shout it again. Shout it again. Guy walked up to me one day and said, you know, Pastor, I just don't believe in female preachers. I just don't believe that their ministry is valid. And I looked at him and I laughed and I said, you have a problem. He said, why? I said, because I married you. He said, yeah, you're a guy. I said, two women married me. Two women pastors married Sister Bev and I. Sister Bernice and Sister Velma. They, they did our wedding. So if you say that my ministry is not valid, if their ministry is not valid, my marriage is not valid. An adulterer married you. Oh, no, no, Pastor, I would never say that. I said, yeah, you're not thinking through the logical conclusions of your parroting. You're parroting something, and you're not thinking. Ladies, you are equal to men in the eyes of God. Now, back it up just a little bit. I wanted to make that point really strong. But the other point I want to make really, really strong is that you're a son of God. Now, everybody, put your shoulders back a little bit. Put your shoulders back. So I'm a son of God. Lift your head up high. So I'm a son of God. Do you have the right to preach the gospel? 
you're a son of God. Do you have the right to do what he told you to do? I'm the son of God. Everybody shout, I'm a son of God. Say it again. Now, what happens when you go through a couple of hard times? What happens when you go through a few failures? You stand up, square your shoulders up a little bit, and go, no, wait a minute. Everybody fails once in a while. I'm a son of God. I didn't hear you. You, you, You've got to get this on your inside. You are not from a loser-failure family. Please, I I grew up thinking that, okay? I, I grew up in my life feeling that, you know, because I grew up on welfare and was always ashamed of my family and, and grew up just horrible and, and grew up in poverty and, and, you know, grew up ashamed until the police sent me down to live with my dad and then, then things changed. But for the first 14 years of my life, I was ashamed of who I was. Never wanted to admit who I was. Lived in poverty, lived in a little 600 square, 60 square meter house, total poverty. Never remember eating a meal in my house. Totally ashamed of how I came up. But you know what? When you get born again, you come from a different family now. Did you hear what I just said? Some of you say, Pastor, I'm the the child of a number two. I don't care if you're a child of a number 22. When you're born again, you are now part of God's family. Your father is the God of the universe. Your older brother is King of kings and Lord of lords. That's a pretty cool family. Did you hear what I just said? So so some of you need to quit looking at the mess you were born into in this world and realize, you know what? I was born into a mess, but I've been adopted into something really awesome. I'm a son of God. I got one more point, but I'll work on it next week. Everybody shout, I'm a son of God. Stand, did, did I encourage you tonight? Stand with me, please. Now, some of you, please forgive me. You've grown up in church. You've sung the song, I'm a friend of God. You know that you're a son of God. It's like it goes in one ear, comes right out the other. You need to get a revelation in your heart. This is who I am. Ulita nothing. This is who I am. Say it again. You need to quit being ashamed to be a Christian. Did you hear what I just said? You need to quit being ashamed. People have made you ashamed to be a Christian. People have tried to make you ashamed because you believe in Jesus. They try to make you ashamed because you want to live your life for Jesus and live a holy life. They wanted to make you ashamed because you want to pray for the sick and tell people about Jesus. They wanted to make you ashamed of being a Christian. You know what? I'm not ashamed. I have been adopted into the coolest family in the universe. I'm a son of God. And I'm not going to be insecure. And I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm going to be loud and proud. Everybody shout, loud and proud. proud. I'm a son of God. God. Everybody shout it. Oh, come on, loud and proud. Shout it again. Shout it again. Pastor Summerall, I was born in a squatter's family, and I've lived my whole life with a mud floor, sleeping on the dirt, 
One time we actually had a mat to sleep on. Pastor Summer, we never had, you know, spoons and forks in our, in our home. We just ate Kamayan. We didn't, I don't care. Jesus ate Kamayan. Are we still here? You're a son of God. Folks, please get a hold of this. It doesn't matter where you came from. It matters who you are today. Did you hear what I just said? It doesn't matter where you came from. It matters who you are today. It doesn't matter the mess of your past. It matters who you are today. You have been adopted into the family of God. Have you ever heard of this actress lady named Merkel, Markel, Meckel, something? She married one of the princes of England. What's her name? What? Whatever. <laughs> I'm not good with movie stars and stuff, okay? She came from a mess, from a horrible past. But um, right now, she's a princess in England and lives in Buckingham Palace. La-di-da. Doesn't matter the mess she came from. It matters who she is today. Now multiply that by infinity. It doesn't matter the mess you came from. God loved you so much. He gave his son to redeem you that he could adopt you as his son. And right now, you are a son of God. Are you getting that? We're never going to change the nation. Walking around ashamed of who we are. We're never going to change a nation. Walking around feeling persecuted and oh, it's so hard to live for Jesus. No, we're not going to change a nation like that. We're going to change a nation being who we are. Loud and proud. I'm a son of God. I'm proud of who I am. Ladies, you don't bow your head in front of some misogynistic guy and hold up your head and go, I'm a son of God. Are we still here? Are we still here? Somebody said, but Paul said, you know, you, you don't understand Paul. Paul also said, how many times that I am a son of God? In Christ, there is no male nor female, Paul said. Remember? Are we still here? Turn your hands together. Young people, the hardest thing to do growing up is to figure out who you are. The hardest thing. Because you got everybody putting you down, everybody making fun. High school and college can be the cruelest years of your life. Because there's always somebody wanting to step on you to boost themselves up. And they'll put you down. And they'll try to destroy your self-esteem and who you are. You just have to lift up your shoulders and go, you know what? I know who I am. I'm a son of God. I'm part of the greatest family the universe has ever seen. I'm the son of God. And people look at you and say, no, 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 I know where you come from. You come, you know what? You're right. That's where I came from, but I've been adopted now. And there's a palace waiting for me in heaven because I am a son of God.
Ulitanatan. Father, let there be a revelation in my heart. You wanted Paul to teach this so strong and so hard because it's so needed. Everything around us tries to destroy us, but you want to build us. Father, by the Holy Spirit, let that revelation come into me that in times of discouragement, I remember who I am. In times of failure, I remember who I am. In times of temptation, I remember who I am. I belong to the family of God. I belong to you. You are my father. You've chosen me to be your son. In Jesus' name, let that revelation come into my spirit. Amen. Everybody shout, I'm a son of God. Shout it again. And when you start to feel insecure, what do you just need to do? You need to remember who you belong to. God, you are my father. I belong to you. I'm a son of God. Everybody shout it one more time. Good night. God bless you.